Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're in the middle of the book of Matthew, and in the book of Matthew, uh, we're just going to briefly skirt through several passages of Scripture that are in the daily Bible reading. We trust that you're doing the daily Bible reading at home. We want you to uh, do that. If for some reason you're unable to get a copy uh, because you cannot access the internet or you're not mailed a copy of the shut-ins or mailed copies, uh, just call us here and we'll make sure that you get your copy. But Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25, Therefore I say to you, now that's not me, Jesus is speaking. And whenever Jesus has something to say, it's best to listen. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples and a whole multitude of people on what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. And he gets very specific about that. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. And don't worry about your body, what you will put on. We worry about life. We worry about our bodies. If you have been going around and you've been uh, giving the impression that you don't worry, I think this coronavirus problem has cured you of that denial. We all worry. We worry about where our food is coming from. We worry about uh, just common needs. We worry about our jobs. We worry about paying the bills. We worry about paying our loans. We worry about lots of things. But Jesus in this passage of Scripture shows us how not to worry. How can we overcome worry? Did you know there's about five things in here? That'll help you and me not to worry. And so the first thing that he says to us in not worrying is is in verse 25 when he says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now that's a question. It's kind of that longing in our hearts to share it with someone else. When God created the world in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he said what? It is not good that man should be alone. Now, that's all I need to say. When Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, which we've looked at uh, in our daily Bible reading, and when Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 was confronted by the devil, and the devil made made a suggestion to him that that he was to... um, If you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. What did Jesus say to the devil? Jesus said to the devil, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus assumes that your answer to that question is a yes. Life is more than just food. And close. But let me say this to you. If you're not ready to say yes, you're not ready to go to step two. And so I hope that you are saying yes. If you can't say yes, you need to come to the conclusion that there's way more to life than just making sure you're satisfied with the next meal. 
that you're going to have. And so Jesus steps, gives us step two here, and it's interesting. This is not a passage of Scripture that we don't know about. We probably could, could, could share it from memory. But after Jesus asked that question and we answered in the firmament, in, in, in the affirmative, shall I say, in verse 26, the Bible says, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Now, Jesus sends us outside to observe the world of nature. Now, we've been talking a lot about that in recent days. I think to get a proper perspective on this, we have to understand that God created this. We did a, we did a little, what we call a, a pastoral corners chat on that. God created this world, and if God created this world, He cares about this world. And if He cares about this world, He's going to take care of us and control it and govern it and, and make sure that we have the things that we need. So Jesus sends us out to observe the birds. Now, there are lots of things you and I can do to work on problems dealing with where the next meal is coming from. There are lots of things we could do. I actually listed a bunch of things here. But initially, Jesus sends us out to observe the birds. I think a, a good application here, before we go any further, would be one of the things you're going to notice when you go out and see the birds, you're going to notice them singing. Pastor, you're dealing with trivial. No, I'm not dealing with trivial stuff. You'll notice that they're singing. And when birds are singing, do they look to you like they're worrying? No. Do you remember when the children of Israel were asked to go to war and, uh, and God said to them, listen, um, I want you to go out prepared. And uh, they wanted to know what armaments they should have. And God says, I don't want you to worry about armaments. I want you to sing. I want you to praise the Lord. And the battle is going to be won if you sing and praise the Lord. We're going to preach on that. Just, that's been an encouraging passage of Scripture to me for a long time. God created and God takes care of. There are many, many, many passages of Scripture that I could refer to, and, but I'll tell you what, I'm just going to refer to uh, uh, one that we didn't refer to in our little chat that we had with you all um, earlier this week. But in Psalm 147, if you have that psalm, just remember that when God created this world, He said, I've given not only mankind all of what we need to live but I've given it to the animals as well. That's Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. We looked at Psalm 104 this, this week a little bit, but Psalm 147, verses 9, 7 through 9. 147, verses 7 through 9. What does it say? Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God. Why? He covers the heaven with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass to grow on the mountains. He gives to the beast its food and to the young ravens that cry. Boy, yesterday, yesterday the storm came in, didn't it? 
I don't know if you had it at your house, but it was a golly washer. I even said to Dawn, I might have to go out and move the car. Looks like it's going to get a little higher than the, than the base of the, uh, the floor. But first the lightning, then the thunder, and then the rain. What do you do when you see the works of God in nature? Well, when we see the birds sing, God wants us to know that he takes care of us. When we see the lightning and the thunder and we see the rain coming, God wants us to know that he takes care of us. And it's not just found in one or two passages of Scripture. It's found everywhere. Everywhere. Now, specifically, what does Jesus say about the birds in verse 26 and following? Look at the birds. They neither sow, number one, they neither reap, number two, nor do they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now, I can see an objection coming right off the bat. I, 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 it's coming, it's coming, I know it's coming. I know how the natural man thinks, and you're going to look at this. Some, some will look at this and say, well, yeah, the birds don't sow, they don't reap, and they don't gather into barns, but mankind has to sow and reap and gather into barns. And if we don't do it, we don't eat. I heard it coming. Jesus heard it coming. I, I'm, almost, I'm convinced that Jesus heard it coming. And what Jesus did is he caused us to step into number three. Jesus' response is, are you not of more value than they? Are you not of more value than they? That's another question that is supposed to have an easy answer to it. And what is the answer? The answer is, yes, we are of more value than they. The daily Bible readings in the book of Matthew have lots of great examples Matthew chapter 10 is a great passage to go along with this. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 and following, Jesus says, Jesus says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hair of your head, the very hairs are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you of are of more value, you are of more value than the sparrows. And so Jesus is really, this is so helpful, and I trust that you and I will be able to, boy, in our times of anxiety and when we're sitting around and, and we're just, we just don't know what to do, um, a lot of time because we don't have anything to do um, at that point. Uh, think about this. Now, what Jesus does next, in verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. He wants us to answer the question, are you not of more value than they? And the answer to that is yes. And then in verse 27, he says, let's get real. Let's get real with this. Let's bring this down to earth. Let's look at the reality of this. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? 
Is worrying going to add anything to your stature? Is worrying going to change anything? And it's very important for us to answer that question and say, you know what, worry's not going to change a thing. It's not one of those emotions that does very well in motivating us to do anything but panic. Corey Ten Boom was the one who said that worry is like a rocking chair. You'll just rock and rock and rock, but you'll not get anywhere. I like to use the illustration of a person who's stressed out by taking them hypothetically onto a hiking trail. And, and I like to say, we're on a hiking trail out in the woods and we see a snake. What's your immediate response? Well, the response is going to be, number one, if I am, I've got a strong personality, I might fight the snake. Number two, if I see my limitations and I know I can't do that, I'm going to run away from the snake. Those are good responses, and they're based on good emotions. But how about the person who just stands there and freezes and says, I can't do nothing. I'm, just, I'm here. I, I can't do a thing. Worry tends to put us into that position where we panic and we freeze and we just, our wills in our minds spin. Let me give you a couple of things to think about that no doubt they're, they're, they're great, 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 great thoughts. Why let yourself be consumed by what's eating you? Why let yourself be consumed by what's eating you? Here's my favorite one. At nighttime, turn all your worries over to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. It doesn't change anything. What's the better thing to do? Well, we're in Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 6. Flip back to verse 9. Better thing to do than worry is to pray. Jesus taught the disciples to pray in chapter 6, verse 9, almost immediately before he shares this information. He says, pray in this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, that's, a better that's a better thing to do than worry. Jesus gives us important things to do. It's interesting that in the next step, he sends us back out to nature. He does. Look at what he says here. He says in verse 28, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his regal glory, if I were to add that word, so you can get a picture of him as the king of Israel in his best robes. He was not arrayed like one of these. And so Jesus comes back and he says, okay, now think about this. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And what is your answer to that question? I wish I could hear it, but I hope it's a resounding yes. 
You know the problem. Here's the big problem. Jesus addresses it next. You know, it's frustrating to know the Lord and to love the Lord and want to do what the Lord wants and then try to figure out why God is is somehow providentially allowing us to deal with this horrible, horrible, horrible pandemic. It's tough. It's tough. And it should lead all of us to go to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, I... I, I I know that, that uh, mankind's sin is somehow involved in this. It may not be my personal sin. It may not be the personal sin of any one person. But, Lord, this is a worldwide thing. And I know this goes back to Adam and Eve. I know it goes back to the Garden of Eden. I know it goes back to when we... What does Jesus say the problem is? Oh, you of little faith. It's a lack of faith. Uh, Jesus said it, not me. It's a lack of faith. And our Bible reading gives us some great examples. I will refer to just two of them. Go to Matthew chapter 8. Keep your thumb there in Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 8. Verse 26, in the context of this great passage of Scripture, when Jesus got into the boat, with, when, when the disciples got into a boat with Jesus, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, in verse 24, so that the boat was covered with the waves. Now Jesus is on the boat with them. But what is He doing? He's <laughs> sleeping. But He was asleep. Then the disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful? What does he say? Everybody together. Oh, ye of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? You and I can add to that. Who can this be that even the microorganisms of the world have to obey Him? There's a great application for this virus that we're dealing with, you see. And the reason why it's a great application is because is it not true that God can arrest the spread of this virus? Yes or no? Absolutely. Is it true that he can stop it dead in its tracks? Yes or no? Yes, he can. Isn't it true that he can shorten its duration as it's predicted by the scientific community today? Yes. People say we're not people of science. We are. We understand what is happening. God created true science and we, we understand it. But we know that we have a God who sometimes works aside of science, apart from science. And we ought to take the position of Job in chapter 13, verse 15. He says, I don't care what happens. I know God is in control. I'm not going to look at the tragedies. I know God is in control. Now, Job could say that. Job could say that because he was experiencing health problems and tragedy that you and I can't possibly imagine. And what did he say in Job chapter 13? 
Even, Lord, if you slay me, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to trust you. Final passage of Scripture on this, uh, before we conclude this, is chapter 14. I want to bring it to your attention because you and I need to understand that when Jesus sends us out to the world of nature to observe how God takes care of nature, how He governs it, how He controls it, here's another great passage of Scripture. This is Jesus walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14. And the Bible tells us that after the feeding of the 5,000, immediately Jesus, verse 22, made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up on a mountain by Himself to pray. Now when evening came, He was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! They cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said, Can I come out on the water? And you'll remember that Jesus invited him to come out on the water. But when Jesus took when, when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. And he said, Lord, he cried out and said, Lord, save me. And in verse 31, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, What did he say? O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Oh, you of little faith, that's the problem. It's a lack of faith. It's tough. You stand, you stand next to someone who is challenging you on what God is able to do and say, well, you know what? God can stop this virus dead in its tracks. And you watch the... Ex, you watch the uh, reaction that you get from the person who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't trust the Lord. Listen, we need to understand that if God created this world, God can do anything. Nothing is impossible with Him. Pray that He would use this to His honor and glory. Pray that we would turn to Him. The saddest thing I can think of in this pandemic is the possibility that when God arrests the spread and stops it in its tracks and it recedes that man will be no different than he was before that scares me more than anything else that we just go about our everyday activities ignoring him like we did before it happened that we'll go about our activities lacking in faith just like we did beforehand and so Jesus has the right thing in mind when he says to us, okay, here's my final thoughts to you. In verse 31, he says, therefore, don't worry what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you will wear because God knows all of these things. It's after these things the Gentiles seek. The Gentiles were a reference to people who just, God's not important in their lives. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But what does he say in verse 33? It's our final thought. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't you see in there the wonderful advice that we ought to live day by day? The two things you shouldn't worry about are yesterday and tomorrow. <laughs> Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I am praying and hoping that this will lead many of us to the Lord that we will look to Him and realize that our very lives are in His hands, that we will rise above a world that is so easily manipulated into fear and anxiety. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When you stand before the Lord and you do that, one of the things that's going to stand out quite easily is there's a righteous, holy God, and here I am. I have a life of sin that needs to be forgiven. What's great about that is God is willing to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can experience the righteousness of God in Christ. Will you come to Him? Will you say, God, I have ignored you way too long. I have not really thought about you in ages and I have been living my life as if in my own strength I can do whatever I want. And I can accomplish anything my heart desires. Listen. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. That means the wages that we've all sinned and the wages of our sin, according to the Scripture, is ultimately death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why? Because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to Christ wherever you are. Sitting in your living room, listening, watching. Come to Christ. Come to God through Christ and say, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Jesus, you died on the cross for sin. I want you to forgive me. I want to seek your righteousness first and your kingdom. Let's sing together our closing song of invitation, which is only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. We'll sing the first stanza. And will you come to him as we sing? Every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest by trusting in His word. Only trust Him, only trust Him. Only trust Him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you would touch the hearts of those who need to respond in faith. As you touch our hearts at some point in our lives and revealed to us the tragedy of our sin and the ultimate demise that it would cause. 
Lord, we want to be free from that. And we pray, Lord, as we come that you would give us an assurance of your willingness to forgive us based on our faith, based on our trust in you, Lord. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you.